God acts righteously both in punishing Israel for its sin and in having mercy. In today's reading, Jerusalem's future name, the Lord is our righteousness, proclaims that the Lord is even now working salvation for Israel. The first reading is from Jeremiah, the 33rd chapter. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will dwell securely. And this is the name by which it will be called, The Lord is our righteousness. This is the word of the Lord. The psalm for the first Sunday in Advent is from Psalm 25. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me now be put to shame. Let not my enemies exalt over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way that he should choose. His soul shall abide in well-being, and his offering shall inherit the land. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lowly and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Consider my affliction and my trouble, and forgive all my sins. Consider how many are my foes, and with what violent hatred they hate me. O guard my soul and deliver me. Let me not be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. In the second reading, we hear that upon Timothy's report from the congregation at Thessalonica, Paul is exuberant with gratitude for them. In this passage in his letter, Paul voices overflowing thanks, joy, and blessings for the people of this growing church. The second reading is from 1 Thessalonians, the third chapter. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you, for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith? Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. This is the word of the Lord. Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 19th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. When Jesus had said these things, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he draw near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, 
Why are you untying it? You shall say this, The Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away, and they found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, Hey, why are you untying the colt? They said, The Lord has need of it. They brought it to Jesus, and throwing their cloaks on the coat, they sat Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. As he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that had, they had seen. They were saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Well, every once in a while, pastors come and they don't have much to contribute on their behalf because of just events in life. So this last week, I had the highs of a son driving from 8 o'clock one night and not arriving till almost 8 o'clock the next morning so he could be here for his little brother's football game because Jacob got to start on Friday night. That was a cool thing to see him drive. I mean, I'm just choking up thinking about it. He was jittery. He'd been drinking those, those monster drinks and eating junk food galore. He said, Dad, I was so tired. I'm like almost bobbing. And I'd, I'd stop and I'd drink another one. And it just, <laughs> but he made it. And that was, that's good stuff. And on top of that, on Friday, we went deer hunting as a group for the first time. Well, two, two of the boys, we'd never gone deer hunting before because most of the time people are fairly conserved with their land. They keep it for themselves. They work hard to uh, obtain land and they want the hunting for themselves. So we never really impose on anybody. But someone gifted us with a chance to go deer hunting. And so both boys were able to shoot their deer and we, and we harvest them. We said, thank you, God, for this food. And we got to do that for the first time on Friday. So those are some really high times where you're like, they're just jumping up and down and celebrating it was just really kind of crazy and then the lows well they lost the football game last night and and to the football game it's one thing because really the team they played against have far superior athletes it was not about whether or not we should have won or not it was this one it was the culture of hate that was around there they started off the game one two three blank shiloh it was just an ugly start but that's how it always is but the sad thing is i don't get to watch my boys play football again so my heart today, I'm a mess. Now the good thing is, it's not about me. It's not about me. When I stand here today and I get to talk next, it's all about what Jesus says, all about what this book of Luke says. And this is good stuff. Long past my last day of watching my sons play football, which was last night, long past my life and I get to go back, this word stands. And whether or not you have a pastor who can competently say words or not, this word should ring true. So our prayer today is, God, in spite of my voice, He'll work through me, through my voice, and into your ears, so you'll take something from this piece of Luke's book home, and you'll apply it this season. And this is an Advent season. And the challenge for us this year is to be an Advent people. For these next weeks, between now and the time we celebrate Christ's birth on Christmas Eve, be an Advent people. When you wake up, think about Advent. When you go to sleep, think about Advent. And everywhere in the middle, think about 
what Advent is and what it means to live as an Advent people. And the idea of Advent, first, is to think about the definition. If you're an Advent, if you're thinking about the definition, an arrival, like a coming arrival, like it's coming. Now, arrival, think about this. Put your hands about this far apart. Work with me on this one. Put your hands about this far apart. Okay? You really can't feel your other hand yet, right? You know it's there, and you're somewhat close. Now get closer and closer, but don't let them touch. Do not let them touch. Try to keep them. If you keep them flat, you've got a better chance of not letting fingers touch. See how close you can get the entire surface of one hand to the other without letting it touch. And when it gets really close, can you almost feel the other hand's presence? Can you feel the warmth of your other hand? That the air is different? Now put them together. Right? The advent is that space between. We're not there. We can think it's that close. It used to be this close. But now it's this close. But it's not there. But you have expectancy. Expectancy is part of Advent. So it's an arrival, but not yet. It's an appearance, but not a connection. It's an emergence. It's a materialization, if you will. It is a surfacing. It is a dawning. It is a giving birth process. It is a rising up. It's an approach. It's a coming. It's a nearing. And it's an advance. All those words have to do with Advent. But it's not just yet. So we're to live as a people who know it's going to happen. But not just yet. So thinking about this in this Bible lesson and how we can have our hope about something coming and we can have absolute confidence, more confidence in these words than you can have in any human being on the face of the planet. These words, confidence. Starts off with verse 28. When he had said these things, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. He had to go to Jerusalem. Well, this time out in that very first verse. He had to go to Jerusalem. That's where the cross was going to be. He told them three times before this that he was going to Jerusalem. And there in Jerusalem, he told them what was going to happen. So he's already foretold what's going to take place. And this is his approach to Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. So in our reading today, it's at the end of his, at the end of his messianic work. And now he's getting ready to go die on the cross. And he's approaching Jerusalem now for this Passover celebration. He is moving that way. He's telling him to go on ahead. So his going to Jerusalem's already been foretold. You can have confidence. If Jesus says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Right? So when he draws near to this place, as they're looking down upon Jerusalem, uh, because when you come up out of Jericho, it's all uphill. But when they get to a place they can look across, they can see him. He sends two disciples. And he tells them exactly what they're going to see, where they're going to see it, and what's going to be said. That's not a miracle. That's just Jesus being Jesus. God being God. Sometimes we'll gloss right over that phrase. Oh yeah, he sent them on up ahead. Go to that little... If, I, if you were to say, go down to downtown Fayetteville at the square, if I was to tell you this, and while you're at the square, you're going to find a, a, a person holding a hawk on his arm. He's, a, he's one of those people that has a, that. And by the way, I want you to go up there, put on his glove, take his bird and says, I'll bring it back to you in two hours. And you're going to say, he's going to complain, and he's going to say, this is my bird, I've had it since it's been a baby, what are you going to take my bird? And you can say, it's okay, um, Pastor Jeff says, I, I want it. And he says, oh, I know Pastor Jeff. You tell him all that in advance. If I told you to do that, you drive down there, and you find exactly what I said you would find, and he says exactly what I said he was going to say, and you answer that way, he's like, wow, how, how, how could that guy know that? 
That's just what happened. Jesus told people to go ahead to a place he's not been, to find something that, he's, that no one can see, talk to an individual that owns it, knowing exactly what the individual is going to say, and still follow the instructions and bring it back to me. We can have hope that when Jesus says he's going to come back and he's prepared a place for us for all time, we can have hope in that because here's an example that it's happened. All right? So he sends them ahead, and that's exactly what happens. They, they find the colt. The Lord has need of it, so they, they take it back to Jesus. Um, now they put their cloaks on it. Why is it that Jesus rides into the, to the city on this little, this little animal, this little beast of burden, if you will? It's because that's how it was, it was foretold. It was told in the Old Testament. Jesus, this is how your king's going to come into the city. So God, hundreds of years before, not just minutes before now, but hundreds of years before, said that this was going to happen. What God said, you can put your word into, your, your hope into it. The Lord has need of it, so they, they, ride, they spread their cloaks on there and they, they cheer Him in. Now, if you didn't notice it, verse 38, this is really cool. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory on the highest. If you get the chance, go back and read the first two chapters of the book of Luke. And then read throughout the middle. There's a whole lot about the one word theme of Luke, which would be peace. Peace. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven. Glory to God in the highest. What did the angels tell the shepherds? What were the angels singing? At the very beginning of the book, they were saying, peace on heaven, peace and goodwill to God, and those who God has favor on. Peace. The very peace that was being talked about in the birth narrative of Jesus is the very peace narrative that runs through it. And now at the end of the book, peace is being established through a nasty, bloody ordeal on a cross, agreed, but peace is being established between heaven and earth. Peace is being won in heavens and across the earth. Peace. We start our Advent off with the word hope, but peace is one of our four pillar words. And on our side of it, we can have hope that God has made peace. When He looks at you and He looks at me, He doesn't see my shortcomings today, your shortcomings today. He doesn't see our failures this last week. He sees the love of His Son on the cross, for which that's where He's going to. And from that cross, He establishes peace. My love is greater than your sins. And my capacity to cherish you is greater than all of the things that you can say you can disappoint with. Peace. There's no war between us. Peace. If only we'd have peace in our homes. If only we'd have peace in our, in our community. If only we'd have peace between communities. If only we'd have peace. That's what's being established here. It was said in the beginning, and now it's being established. God's Word is reliable. After that, some Pharisees come to Him. Teacher, rebuke your disciples. There is a line in here in, in the Scriptures that says, God can raise up descendants from Abraham from the stones, right? The earth is the name of Adam. Adam, we are from the earth. When we die, this stuff goes right back to the dirt. Mostly water, fair enough. But it goes back to, the, to this earth's surface. So if, if those folks were quiet, even the creation moans, even just God would be putting 
dirt together and forming people just to praise God because peace is being established. It's, it's a hint to what he can do. Raising up the bones, the dead bones, and he puts sinews on them, and the armies become armies of God. If, if the disciples don't sing praise on that day, God will bring from creation something to sing praise. You can't stop from singing praise. Now, in the thoughts about this one, when we had our Bible say this week, who are we in this lesson? Who are we in this lesson? When we're, trying, when we're thinking about being this close to God and being Advent people, are we the disciples, the only 12 left because everybody else has abandoned them? The only ones who are part, there's the disciples and then there's the crowd. So are we the disciples that are really striving and hoping for that day when we get to experience them like this? Are we going with them into Jerusalem even though we think we know what's going to happen there but we don't want it to happen but we know it's going to happen? Or are we the crowd that just saw him heal some blind people and have some good lessons and put down some, some accusers and stuff like that? And so we're just kind of cool with the Jesus show. And so we're following along as the crowd. That's the other group in here. Are we just going into Jerusalem because we hope that this guy will be king and we can get rid of the, the harsh Roman opposition, we can get rid of harsh wool, and we can have better finances, better economy, and more freedom in our life? Is that what we're following this king while we put the cloaks down? Or are we the Pharisees? Saying, come over here, Jesus, but not that close. I want you, I want you to do some things for me. I want you to uphold some things, but I don't want you to be that close. Don't reign and rule over my life in that place. I like my sin like that. Thank you very much. I like my way of making my own decisions, even they're contrary to yours. So come on, come on close, but not that close. Are we those guys? Those gals? In this lesson, we have three choices. Are you going to be the one that's following, adventing, hoping that the day comes and you get to fully embrace God in peace? Are you the crowd that's kind of along for the ride, kind of along for the show, check out the music, check out, see what the pastor can talk, see what the new lighting schemes are going to be? Are you just part of the crowd? Or are you the ones actually in opposition? When we're coming into this advent, the call for us as His people is to be the ones that are, that are longing for the day that He'll put our hands together. That whatever in our life is separating them from us, whatever's making us so busy that we forget Him, whatever's distracting us so we get further and further away from it and more and more in the gray, dark days, that we say no to that, we repent of it, and we get closer to God. That we be the disciples, following best we can, saying thank you for your love and your goodness. And that we'd help some of the crowd to say, come and see, because everything that we read today was foretold and everything came to life. God's word's reliable. If you don't know what to say to people, just sit down and read the New Testament with them. Let God's word do all the work. And if nothing else, pray for the ones who are in opposition. Pray for ourselves when we're that opposition. That everything in our lives that we are saying, stop, Lord, that we'll actually refrain from that. And we'll say, come, Lord, come, be born in me, arrive in me, appear to me, materialize in my life. Let you have a dawn, Lord, when I wake up and see the sunrise, dawn in my life. Come to me, be close to me, advance your will. Those are all the definitions of Advent. God, help us be an Advent people. Amen.
Let us declare our faith. We'll use the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray for the people of God. Lord Jesus Christ, come to those who do not know you, those who have rejected you, and those who are straying from you. Let your Holy Spirit work in their lives and bring them to know you and your love and forgiveness. Our hope is in you, Lord. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come to those who are lonely and in need of your presence. Come to the homeless, the unemployed, the underemployed, the homebound. Be with the mentally ill, those who are in transition, and anyone else who who is experiencing the pain of loneliness. Remind them of your birth in Bethlehem and lead them to your church where we bear one another's burdens. Our hope is in you, Lord. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Lord, we pray for all nations. Lift the eyes of those in authority to their duty to govern wisely and according to your will for the good of all. Curb all terror and replace it with peace. Keep us alert and watchful to serve you by giving good service to others on our daily lives. Our hope is in you, Lord. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Heavenly Father, be with those who rejoice and direct their praise and thanksgiving to you for answered prayers, birthday and anniversary celebrations, and all other joyous events. Let their rejoicing lead all of us to praise your name. Our hope is in you, Lord. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus Christ, come to those who are sick injured and recovering. Today, we remember Kurt and family, Mary, Melaine, Giselda, Cheryl, Jeff, Beverly, Dana, Luke, Jim, Dina, Lindsay, David, and those we name in our hearts now. Strengthening them with your healing hand and with your unwavering presence, our hope is in you, Lord. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, we do not know the day or the hour that you will come with great power and glory. Keep us always alert and watchful so we may welcome you with joy. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. We'll continue our worship with our tithe and offering. Go and have a seat. (laughs) 